0: Right now, until I kind of get some clarity exactly, but we're going to be in Psalm 61, and I'm going to try to get through 63, not 63 books of Psalms, Psalm 61 to 63. Some of you said, oh, we'll be here for 10 years, you know, all right, that was a joke, all right, and we're going to look at three Psalms tonight, David, David, uh, and, and in these, all three of these, David is being chased into the wilderness by his son, Absalom who is rebelling against David and his kingdom, and um, and while David is running, he runs to uh, the wilderness, the desert. Anybody ever been to the desert where it's dry, and uh, I lived in the desert, And and have you ever been spiritually in the desert? You've been in a dry time in your life where you've been struggling, and you need God to just touch you. And uh, and and so here he is. You know the the thing about David, he's he's just dealing, and he's so open to the Lord. And his whole desire in the middle of being in the middle of his trials is just, God. Uh, I want you. I want to seek you above everything else. It doesn't matter if I'm king. It doesn't matter if I if I'm a dad. It doesn't matter if I am over this ministry or over this family. My, you know, my hope is this: that I seek you. First. And if we as the people of God could get that as individuals, if we could seek God first, not, not be, try to be a minister first or try to serve in ministry first, but be a child of God that just seeks God with all our hearts. So we're going to look at that tonight. The first Psalm, if you need a subheading here, uh, is Psalm 61. But the subheading that I is this, lead me to the rock. Everyone say, lead me to the rock lead me to the rock I like that Psalm 61 says this hear my cry O God listen to my prayer and so uh, David known in scripture as a man after God's own heart and he was no sissy he was no wimp come on somebody right he was no pushover remember David when he was young I talked about this a few weeks ago what did he do he fought a lion he fought a bear he fought Goliath he was not afraid to stand for what was right. matter of fact, he fought two or three hundred Philistines at one point. he led troops into battle. He was not a crybaby, all right he was strong and so but but he discovered a secret to life and and crying to the Lord, and he did it often and he did it freely though he was strong and courageous on the outside he he sought the Lord tenderly on the inside and so. In the next eight verses of this chapter, we'll look at some components of prayer here, all right? So this, this whole, whole whole psalm right here, Psalm 61, is about prayer. Everyone say prayer. All right. From the end of the earth I call to you, verse 2 is what it says. And, and, and how many know that prayer, number one, here's the first thing we're going to learn about prayer, is prayer reaches from, from me to the end of the earth. There's no, there's no delay in our prayers, Right. Uh, sometimes there's, there's issues, I know, I know when, um, you know, Daniel was praying and the and the devil stopped him and there, the angels were fighting, I know that there can be delays sometimes, but how many know that we have a direct line with God the Father, amen? Uh, when David fled Jerusalem, leaving his family, he left it, he actually left the safety of where he could have stayed in Jerusalem, there at the kingdom, but, where, but Absalom would have come, but he actually left there, the safety of that place, that he fled Jerusalem, leaving his family, his friends, and the city that he loved so deeply. You know what he couldn't do when he was in the wilderness? Pick up his iPhone and just call them back. How many got an iPhone in here? All right. How many of you guys got Androids? The altars are open. I'm playing. I'm just playing with you. Um, but but he could not just pick up his phone. Listen, he couldn't just pick up his phone and and call, you know, his family. We a different time, right? Different, you know. And it wasn't like he could just do that and so or, or just talk to them on the Internet. How many know that we're the most connected society ever, right? It's hard to get away from people sometimes, all right? Brandon Bang's back there going, uh-huh. Um, you know, and, and it's, sometimes it's just hard to to just get alone, but... But you know what You know what David could do in the wilderness? Cover them with prayer. By himself, out alone, all by himself. Cover them in prayer. He could, he could pray for them and, and, and touch God for them. You know, here's the thing. This is what I want to tell you. If you're here, you may be driven in a wilderness moment. And if you're not in a wilderness moment, you will be at some point in your walk with God. There will be moments where you feel like, man, this is a dry time. This is a trying time. And there may be times where we cannot uh, necessarily reach out to our family or our friends, or we may feel like, man, I'm all alone here, or I'm in exile, I'm an outcast. But you know what we can do as individuals when our family has failed us, when, when people aren't answering the phone call, you know what I can do? I can call upon the name of the Lord. Amen? And man, I, I love that. I, I, I'll never forget when I was, uh, I, was doing a, I was doing worship at a camp, and my, my good friend was speaking at this camp, and I was living in Texas at the time, and it was in Oklahoma. And after service one night, we decided to leave camp because how many know that camp food gets old after a little bit? Just being real. And uh, so we decided we were going to go try to find something to eat late at night. Of course, the only thing that was open was fast food, so it wasn't much better than camp, but it wasn't camp food, all right? And uh, and so we were leaving, and we were going down a, a four-lane road, you know, two, two lanes this way and two lanes coming this way. And I, I'm driving down that old, uh, dark Oklahoma highway, and in the middle of just driving down that road, all of a sudden, uh, we're coming over hill, and I see headlights coming at me on... on the lane that we're going, I'm supposed to be going, you know, I guess west or whatever, and someone's coming east on the westbound lanes, and so I'm like, what in the world, and so, you know, it wasn't like it was super drastic or fast, and then I, I see them getting closer, and I'm slowly braking, and then all of a sudden, they they hit their, their brakes, they turn, and they drive through the median, and then they get on the right side of the road, and then they take off, and I thought, what just happened, that was crazy, and so, didn't really think too much of it, well, Later, the next day, I'm talking to my friend who's speaking at that camp, and uh, he said, man, you're not going to believe this. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you're not going to believe this. He said, my dad called me and reached out to me and said, where were you at, you know, like at 1115 last night? He said, dad, I was driving down the road. And he goes, really? He goes, man, he goes, God, just stopped me dead in my tracks. I said, you need to pray for your son because the devil's going to try to take him out right now. He said, Not I, just, I fell to the floor. He said, I started praying and interceding for you right there in that moment. And we figured out that that was the exact timeline that this car was coming. But can I tell you something? When we don't know what to do, we can pray. Amen? Amen? Sometimes we forget that when we're in the middle of the trial. We can cry out to God. That's what I love about David. That's why he's a man after God's own heart. He's just Man, I don't know what else to do, but I'll cry out to you, Lord. You know what I know is, is this, that prayer, uh, uh, you know, I'm so glad. Uh, prayer is, is dependable. How many are glad that prayer is dependable? God doesn't depend on AT&T's cell t- towers. Come on, somebody, right? God doesn't depend on Verizon's cell towers. His, his, are, his ways are much higher than ours, right? No matter where you're at geographically, emotionally, uh, to the ends of this earth, God will Meet you if you call out in prayer. Amen. So look at this. When my heart is faint, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Oh, I love that. You know, when you're, when you're weak and when you don't know what to do, you know, the best thing you can do is go to something that's stronger than you, right? I remember a few times in my life where people were picking on me at school, and I had to remind them, hey, I have an older brother, and let me tell you something, he'll come down here and knock your teeth in if you don't stop messing with me, right? Come on, you guys act all holy like you didn't do that too, but come on. But but have you ever flown, has anybody ever flown in an airplane and the pilot said, hey, if we're getting ready to go over the the Grand Canyon, or we're getting over to go over this mark, if you look out the left side of the plane, that usually happens to me when I'm on the right side of the plane. But if you look out the left side of the plane, you can look down, you can see the Grand Canyon. Anybody ever ever experienced that? Or anybody ever fly into a big city, and you see the skyscrapers right from from the top, and it's. And they don't look so big when you're flying in, do they? It just looks like, yeah, it's not so big. But you know why? Because your perspective is different. But listen, if you go to that same skyscraper that you're flying in over and you were to go downtown and you were to walk up to it, you would go, Whoo, that's tall. That's a big building. Perspective is, is different. And so this is what we have to know. When I'm, when I'm down and when I'm, my, my problems seem magnified, they seem huge to us, Right? But where God is, he's looking at our things, and he sees these things. Hey, these are not big. But when we elevate ourselves closer to God, come on, somebody. When we get a little closer to the rock of our salvation, when he pulls us up, guess what? We start to magnify God rather than magnifying our problems. And our problems don't seem so big anymore, amen? Man, when I begin to pray to God, he elevates my perspective spiritually where he's at and what he sees and guess what? The things that I thought that were so big and, 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 you know, impossible, they are really nothing. The rock to which we are led, of course, Jesus Christ, amen. The Bible calls him the cornerstone. He's the rock of our salvation. And in prayer, we should pray, God, take me higher so I can magnify you and not my problem or my trial. What I do, listen, I have a tendency to do this in my life. Is when I'm going through something, I magnify that thing, I make it bigger than what it is. I, I I'm, I'm dramatic about it. Come on, somebody, right? Oh, woe is me, and whoa, And God's like, come on, come up here. Look, okay, you're gonna make it. It's not as big a deal as you thought, right? And, and but prayer takes us higher, and it leads us to the next next thing that prayer does is this right here, verse three. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower. Against the enemy, let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me, sh- uh, let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings, Selah. So, not only does, does prayer reach further, but it takes us higher. I want to say higher. It brings us closer to the Lord. Amen. Uh, it says this that that the uh, what well, you know that that we're in the shelter of His wings, Psalm ninety-one. You know, uh, those who, who dwell, you know, he, he covers us. How many love God's covering? The Ark of the Covenant in, in Scripture, it tells us the, the wings of the cherubim, they come together at the top of that. And, and there below that was underneath where the wings met was the mercy seat in the Ark of the Covenant. That's where the, the high priest would come in and sprinkle the blood of the lambs there at the mercy seat. And you know, what, you know what the mercy seat was? That is where God met his people in the Old Testament, where the blood was applied where the blood is applied, God will meet you, Amen. Come on, come on, some of my Christians in here. Come on, tell me that. And I've learned that in my misery, my trial, my situation, in the time of trouble, I can boldly come into the Lord's presence in prayer. I don't have to clean myself up. I don't always, you know. Uh, sometimes I just got to come in and I just got to just drop myself to the Lord and say, God, I am in need. Look at this, Hebrews chapter four, sixteen. Um, and I, 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 and I got this, I don't typically use this, and, and I'm not even going to call it a translation because it's more of a paraphrase, the message uh, Bible, but it says this, let's walk right up to him, I like this, let's walk right up to him and get what he says he's ready to give, I like that, right, let's just walk up to him and say, Lord, give me whatever you're ready to give me, take the mercy Accept the help. How many know that sometimes, boy, we're stubborn as Christians. God wants to help us and we're like, ah, oh, nah, I don't need your help. But I, uh, what I love about this this bit of scripture here is, man, this gives us access. We can boldly go into the throne room of heaven and just say, God, I need your help. And he meets us. The word Selah is used 74 times in scripture, 70, 71 times in psalm and three times in habakkuk and it literally means this it means uh, there's you know a little conflicting views on it but uh it can mean an interlude or a pause in music where you stop and music plays you know take it away band because this is a psalm right it's a written song and and or uh it can mean this to stop and think and reflect about what you just read how many know we read too fast We do. We read scripture. Oh, i got to read my chapter today. What did you learn? I don't even know because I read it so fast. didn't let the Holy Spirit stop and speak to me. But I love this. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under your shelter of your wings. Selah. Hey, do you know what that means? God's got me. Stop and think about that. God's got me. Next time you're in the middle of your misery, the middle of your trial, stop and think about that. God has God, it's what, it's what it says. Let me dwell there, Lord. Look at this, verse 5. It says this, for you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. And because we grow closer to God, we become uh, richer in him. Amen? Amen? We become richer in what? In money? No, in the things of God. In the things of God. Oh, knowledge Knowledge in the things of God, the experience of God. How many want to grow closer to God? I've been serving God a long time. I, I can't get close enough to him. I can't run to him fast enough. I can't learn enough about him. Say, oh, pastor, you're just, a, you're just a rare person that's like that. No, 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 no. You can have that same thing because the more you know him, the more you want to know about him. The closer you get to him, the more he enriches you. The higher you the closer you get to him, the more you see his holiness and you begin to pray. Hey, guess what? And your prayers become better because you want to be more like him because he is richer. He's thick. He's like that that cake that's super rich. You're like, man, that is a rich cake because that means it has a lot of substance to it. God is rich, right? I love that. I learned I learned this at a young age that you know, when I wanted to to be better at something whether it be a sport or uh, playing an instrument, if I wanted to be better at something, I had to put myself around people who were better than me. Because here's the problem. You're going to reach a level. You know, if you're playing sports and you're playing with people who are equal to you and you don't play around somebody who challenges you or pushes you to the next level, You're going to underperform, right, because you're not going to reach the next level. Or you're learning an instrument. You get around somebody who you're trying to learn your instrument, and you're in the band, and and that person always gets first chair, and you always get second chair. And so you practice, 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 and then you finally get first chair. That person pushed you to be better, right? And that's what the Lord does. He enriches us as we get closer to him. He pushes us to get better and better and better. He makes us richer as we get closer to him. So look at this. I I think you know why he does that? Because he's good. Amen. Is God good? I'm not convinced. Is God good? <laughs> he is, right? Verse six Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. Uh may he be enthroned before uh oh, forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So Prayer does this. Here's the next thing. Prayer allows me to live longer. Huh? Did you you just say what I thought you said? Some of you are like, well, I'm going to start praying now. Right? Prayer allows me to live longer. Huh? Now listen to this. I looked this up today. Many studies show that people who pray live longer. That was not out of a Christian organization. You know where I learned this from? Are you ready for this? Oh, get ready. Buckle up. Here you go. L.A. Times wrote about it. All right. Time Magazine wrote about it. Huff Post wrote about it. Web ND posted about it. All right. And lastly, the Azusa Pacific University wrote about it. And check this out. CNN. Oh, did anything ever go? Well, I won't say that. CNN even wrote that people who attend church live longer. Come on. I, this church better be full on Sunday. If CNN said it. It must be true, right? That's interesting, right? People who pray, they're more connected to the living God. And I think God shows mercy on people that have a tight relationship with him. All oh, right, Enoch walked with God every day. And God's just like, you know what? Why don't you just come on up here right now? That's pretty cool, right? 2 Kings. Chapter 20, it talks about King Hezekiah, and he's about to die, and he pleads to the Lord, and he asks the Lord, please prolong my life another 15 years. And what does God do? Because he was a righteous man, he grants that to him. How many know that prayer works? The flip side of that is that when we, we leave this earth, guess what? We know that we'll live forever because we have Jesus in our heart. Amen? Amen. That's a, that's a beautiful thing in itself. Verse 8 says this, so. Will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day? So praying not only applies to us uh, living longer, but it makes us happier. Everyone smile. My brother likes to say this uh, a lot. He goes, you know, that is the zest of life. And I'm like, that's a pretty cool saying. That is the zest of life. That's like the, you know, it's the spice of life. It makes it worth living, right? Oh, man, how many want to be happy? I want to be happy. I don't want to be around grouchy, sad-faced, puckered-up people. Come on, right? Jesus said this in John chapter 16. Ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be what? Full. Full. Ask that you may receive that your joy may be full. When's the last time you asked the Lord to fill you up with joy? That's a good question, right? Most of us don't even think about it. We don't even ever, ever ask that. Jesus said, hey, ask. Ask that that you shall receive, that your joy may be full. In other words, Jesus says, uh, ask us to ask him. So why would Jesus ask us to ask him those things? Ephesians 3.20 is the answer to that. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Why do we ask him? Because he can do more <laughs> with our ask than he can with, when, in our own selves, right? How many, how many have seen God do the impossible in your life? Man, I got, I got a phone call today that, oh, my goodness, it was, it was a beautiful phone call. Uh, and I don't, uh, man, God answered an amazing, amazing prayer. Not on my sake, just someone called and said, I had to tell somebody, Pastor. And, and matter of fact, they're not here tonight. But I, when they're here on Wednesday night, I'm going to have them tell this story because your faith is going to be charged. You say, why you do that, Pastor? I don't know. I don't even know why I told you, but now you have a reason to come back some Wednesday night so when this person can give this testimony. David, even at the time where, where, where he was being chased down, he was heartbroken. You know his son was chasing him, trying to kill him. You guys think you have problems. You think your kids are, are rough. Are they trying to kill you? Are they Are trying to take you out? While his sons, he's heartbroken. But this is what David knew. Things are going to work out. How? Because I'm going to put my faith in God and I'm going to trust him. Not my own ability, not my army, not the nation, not the king's court, none of that. I, I'm going to trust God. And I found the same to be true even before the solution comes in my life that, there's something that happens in your soul that you got to stop man you got to stop take a minute to pray and say hey god revive me god help me in this moment god show me that 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 what i need to see like david you'll find yourself rejoicing in the middle of your mess people think you're crazy when you're when you're praising in the middle of your trial people look at you and go how can you be so happy? Why, why are you, why do you have so much joy right now? Because you don't know the God that I serve. I, I really like this statement, and um, I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me this over this, over this little uh, chapter, is prayer is the path that leads us to the rock, Jesus. You want to get higher? Take the, take the path of prayer. You want to know Jesus more? Take the path of prayer. You, you can commune. Did you, do you realize you can commune and talk with the living God and he will talk to you and he will walk with you and he will tell you things uh, and, and love on you? Come on, even when your husband or your wife aren't listening to you and they aren't talking to you, Jesus will listen and he'll talk to you. Amen. So here's the second. Here's the second thing right here. Psalm sixty-two says this. And if you need, if you need a, a subheading on this, my soul waits for God alone. I like this. So Lord, lead me to the rock. And then the second thing that he says here is, my soul waits for God alone. I, I, I'm come too far. I, I'm not going to let anything else distract me. And so this is a, a, um, a psalm written of David. And this psalm contains the story of Absalom's rebellion against David. Again, it's just the same. Same story, it was orchestrated by uh, this guy, Jethuthun, I don't know where that name comes from, but one of the chief musicians, and so, look at this, in uh, 62, it says this, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Everyone say salvation. Where's your salvation come? From him. David knows where his salvation comes. He alone is my rock. Come on, there it is. And my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall or a a a tottering fence? They only plan to, to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. All right, talking about these people that are attacking David. Selah, stop and think about that for a minute, right? So David was successfully, he was a successful military guy. He was a successful political guy, and he had a very successful nation. But what made David great was the leading of his nation to a deeper understanding of God the Father. Hey, we have to seek the Lord uh, that's that's the biggest thing that I can give you guys. We can have a strong military. We can have a great politics. We can have all this stuff. But the main thing is to seek the Lord with all our hearts. Did David make some mistakes? 100%. But you know what? He knew where to go. So David excelled. Uh, uh, though David excelled Absalom's camp, they lied about David. They began to tell falsehoods about him. Anybody ever had someone lie about you? You know what's crazy about this? I, I, I've talked about this. The Absalom is David's son, and here he is lying about his dad. The people sometimes that lie about us are the people that know us the best. Come on. Oh, yeah, I know I'm getting down to the nitty-gritty, right? And he begins to lie about his dad. And knowing this, David here, he gives some advice. I, I like this. He gives advice not to anybody else but to his own soul. Sometimes when someone's lying about us, the best thing we can do is give advice to our own selves. Come on, right? So look at this. He, he declares his dependence on God. He's waiting on God. He's in, in silent uh, re- resignation. I'm just staying back here. God, I, I'm waiting on you to do what you can do because if I put my hand in this, I'm going to make a mess out of this. And, and, and if I give it to you, God, guess what? Your sovereign will will be done, and it will be right. I love that oh man and we can learn from that amen and he's saying this he's my rock he's telling himself hey god is my rock he's my fortress he's my salvation he's my defense and listen i don't have to stand on anything but him in verse three he asks, how long do i have to go through this anybody ever asked that god how long do i have to go through this trial boy this is so frustrating this is so tiring and Oh, this person's being such a pain, and Lord, this boss of mine, and Lord, this spouse of mine, and uh, uh, right? You know, one of the things that Novak does when it, we have bad weather, and the wind blows, and me and Tristan can be in our room, and, and the wind starts to pick up, and he'll come in, and he'll open that door. He won't even knock. He'll open the door. He walked in the other day when it was windy, and he walked in. He didn't say a word. I knew what was going on. I said, you'll be fine. You know what his question was? How long is this going to last? You know, when I was growing up, we didn't have that option. Our phones tell us now, oh, in 20 minutes it will stop raining and blah, 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 blah. When I was growing up, it was like, you know, you didn't know what the next thing was going to be or if it was going to get worse. But Novak, he always wants to know, how long is this going to last? And we do that all the time with the Lord. Lord, how long do I have to walk through this trial? How long do I have to struggle with this situation? But I love that old song, and it reigns true, you know, that song, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Come on, right? And to trust his will and know that God, how many believe that God has your best interest? Do you really trust him? Because sometimes our actions don't show that we trust him. Come on. So look at this. Verse 5 says this. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my, my hope is from him. So in verse 1, David said, my soul waits on God. Here in verse 5, he tells his soul, hey, wait on God. He's telling himself, hey, wait on God. Anybody ever do that? Hey, you, you say in your mind, don't say TJ, but you say TJ, Wait on God. Or TJ, calm down. Come on, you put your own name in there. Right, you know, settle down, right? And that's what he's saying there. It is, it's as if he's saying, I, I know it theologically, but Lord, help me to walk this thing out practically. I know what it says, but help me to put one foot in front of the other and do this thing. Amen. Oh, I love that. I, be still, David. David. David tells himself, "Hey, be still, calm down." Sometimes I have to tell myself to be still and wait, and just to, it, just expect God to move on my behalf and to trust His schedule and not my own. Because we always think God's late, right? God is never late. He's seldom early but he's never late, right? He's always right right on time. Amen. So we often feel like we have to do something when we're waiting in the in the season of waiting. We're like, God, I got to get my hand in this. And every time I get my hand in something that God's trying to do, I just prolong the inevitable, right? He's going to do what he's going to do eventually, but I just make it muddy and murky, and, and, and God's like, if you had just kept your hands out of that, Skiles, guess what? It would have been solved by now, right? How many know that God will fight your battles? You only have to be still, right? All right, so check this out. Uh, some of us get anxious when there's silence in conversation, right? How many of you love a good, awkward conversation where you're talking to somebody, and all of a sudden, it just stops, and you're just like sitting there staring at each other? It's awkward, right? Waiting. Right? Uh, and if you're like me, man, you feel like, man, I gotta keep the conversation going. I man, how's the weather? How's your mom and dad? How's you know, whatever? And uh, just talking about everything. But but uh, you know, sometimes in 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 our life, sometimes we gotta we gotta learn to be quiet in, in the conversation. Sometimes we learn to to listen to what the Lord's telling us. Sometimes we're busy doing this. And God's like, oh, good to see you. I'm trying to get a word in there, but uh, you, you wouldn't be quiet long enough, right? And we do this in our lives, not, not moving or acting fast enough. So I'll act, God, on your behalf. I'll say something. Come on, right? Sometimes there are moments. Uh, uh, where we, we are moved in faith. Don't get me wrong. There's moments where we got to move in faith, where God is prodding us and pushing us. But some, most of the time, a lot of the times, God's waiting on us to learn to wait on him. Hard to do. Oh, I can't tell you the times that I've acted. I've, I've been in ministry a long time. And there's been times where I've acted, overreacted. Come on, <laughs> spiritually, right? In circumstances and then later regretted it had to go back and apologize to some people had to go back and apologize to some leaders and and man I overreacted I'm sorry man and God's like man if you would have just shut up you'd be in better shape waited on me Amen But I have never listen listen to me I have never once regretted waiting on God It's been hard but I but when he comes through, whew, it's always right. I have never regretted waiting on him. But I but and so I want to tell you that so the word hope in the in the King James Version, it says expectation. I like that in that verse. It it says, For God alone, oh my soul waits in silence for my hope or my expectation is in him. I am expecting God to do something. What is hope? The expectation of what? coming good you've heard me say that a million times hope is the expectation of coming good and so then if that's the case if your hope and your expectation is God then you let God be God and you be you and you sit back and you just wait and let God do what he's going to do amen verse six he only he only is my rock and my salvation my fortress I shall not be shaken so if you follow the order here David does what he's saying here is he tells his soul, hey, wait and be still. And then he tells his soul, hey, not only wait and be still, but be sure. Be confident. Be confident. Be sure. In verse 2, he's, he said, I shall not be greatly moved or shaken. But in verse 6, he says, I shall not be shaken. He's, he's saying David is stabilizing his own soul. Hey, it is going to be okay. Some of you talk to yourself all the time, right? And David's telling himself, it is going to be okay. Okay. We're going to stabilize because God is a sure foundation. It's going to be all right. Hebrews 13, verse 5 through 6, it says, For he has said, I will never leave you, or what? Nor forsake you, verse 6. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's trust in God. Did you catch that? He, he said that in the past tense. He said, I will never, what, leave you nor forsake you. He said, he'd be there, so i tell, uh, you have to tell yourself, God said he would never leave me. So that means that he is always walking with me. Amen. He also said all things, look at this, he also said this in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good to those who love God, right? He also said this in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I tell myself what? Rejoice. Come on. Some of you need to tell yourself, put a smile on your face. Start rejoicing because you're alive today. Maybe things aren't perfect, but you're alive. God's not done with you yet, right? And we can all do the same. I I say that uh, uh, all to say this, that David, though he didn't quote those New Testament verses, he spoke things to himself and said, hey, I am. I can do this, but I need to tell my soul, quiet down, get ready, trust God, and let God be God. Look at this, verse 7. On on God rests my salvation and my glory. My my mighty rock, my refuge is God. And David said this in the last seven verses. He said, be still, be sure. And here he's saying this, be strong. Everyone say, be strong. How can a believer be strong? You got to know where your strength comes from. Where does our strength come from? My strength comes from Him. Nehemiah says, "The joy of the Lord is my." Be strong and courageous, and do not be afraid, for the Lord God, what He goes with you each and every day. He He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power. Right? Come on, right? And and, and you gotta. Sometimes we gotta get that theological mind and get that up here, what we know, and get it down here in our heart, so we can walk that thing out. Amen. We we can do the same. Verse uh, 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 verse 8 says this, trust in him at all times. Trust in him some of the time. No. Trust in him when you feel like it. Trust in him when things are going good. No, no, no. Trust in him in what? A-L-L. All. All times. Good, bad. Oh, people, pour out your heart before him. woo hoo 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 God, I'm coming to you. Here it is. Right? Pour out your, your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. There it is again. Say, stop and think about that for a minute. Trust him all the time. Pour out your heart to him. Think about it. God's your refuge. Think about it. Think about that. Trust in God at all times. And David's telling us. And, and, and let me ask you this question. When was the last time you remember pouring out your heart before the Lord? You just said, ooh, God, here it all is. Whew, this is going on. This, Lord, I'm struggling. God, I, this is where I'm at. God, I, I, I str- I'm struggling with this thing. God, I, 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 Lord, I need your help. Lord, I, I'm falling apart. Lord, the seams are, are stretched, and I feel like I'm about to break. I'm not talking about uh, pouring out to God in your daily devotion. Those things are great, and that's great. But I'm talking about crying out from the depths of your soul. When's the last time you cried out from the depths of your soul? Somebody say, well, I'm just not wired that way. I promise you, if you're broken enough, you can and you will. See, you know what keeps me from doing that? You know what keeps you from doing that? Pride. Well, what will people think? What if my kids hear me in my room on my floor crying out to God? Good. Show them what an example it is to pray. What it is to trust in God. See, uh, if you do that, I guarantee you this that you will find that God is truly your strength. And so, uh, you know, verse 9 says this those of low estate are but a breath, those of high estate are uh, a delusion. In the balances, they go up and they are together lighter than a breath. I know that's a lot to unpack, that seems very confusing. So, when we're in trouble, what do we do? We often seek help from man, right? I'm struggling. I'm struggling, Mark Lynn, I'm struggling. I need to talk to you, right? Mark? Oh, he's not answering. Okay, I'll call Stephen. No, he's not answering either. Brandon Banks, I'll call right? And I start calling people and i'm I'm looking who sometimes when we call people, we're looking for people who will just sympathize with us, come on and and rather than tell us what we need to hear, come on, I know I'm stepping on some toes there, but uh, but but what we do, come on, we often seek people before we seek the Lord. right? We often seek help from other people before we seek the Lord. Oh, we don't move into a time of prayer and fasting and say, hey, God, I need to break this thing. I'm going to seek you first. Listen, it's okay to go to help for people and things and get advice and those things. But listen, God knows you better than your friends do. God knows you better than anybody in this building, and he has your best interest at heart. Oh, man, we go to uh, one another with our problems and try to figure out how to get help from each other. And this verse calls them lighter than breath. The King James Version says vanity. So, so how, how we need to seek the Lord first and most of all rather than man. Look at this, verse 10. Put no trust in exhortation. Set no vain hopes in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. So what does that mean? That means this. Put no trust in a man. Put no trust in his might and don't trust in money. That's, that's the real simple uh, uh, southern Indiana way to say that. Put no trust in man, put no trust in might, and put no trust in money. Somebody needs to tell the United States government that verse right there. Money, come on. You know what? Money has a way of disappearing. Come on. Proverbs 23, four, verses 4 through 5 talks about wealth, and it says, Wealth has wings. It goes away. Whew. Come on, somebody, right? Verse 11 says this, once God has spoken twice, have I heard this, that power belongs to God. So let me me sum up this verse for you. God has the power to see you through, amen, and only God has the authority to solve all problems, amen. Verse 12, come on, give the Lord a hand. If we're going to do it, let's do it. Verse 12, and that you, O Lord, uh, belong steadfast love. So God is not only powerful, but he is merciful. Woo, I love that. God is powerful. Not only does he have a strong hand, but he is a merciful God. And and, and all these verses, it's like this. Men of low degree might be merciful, but they lack power, right? Sometimes people they they may be merciful, they're a low degree, they're just not very popular in society. I'll give you grace and mercy, but they lack power. But then on the flip side of that, there are people who are who are in a high degree in life, and they have all the power, but they have no mercy, right? But here's the beautiful thing about God: only God is powerful and merciful, and He is the winning combination. Amen. Look at this: for you will render to a man according to his work. So. Uh, what must we do to the works of God? That, that is what Jesus asked, and He said this. The, 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 they asked Jesus that. What must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus said this. This the work. This is the work of God that you believe on Him who the Father has sent. John six twenty eight through twenty nine. And this is it. If you truly believe in Jesus, you have done the singular. Work of God. That's the glorious good news for you and me. It's, it's, it's called grace, right? You don't have to work your way to heaven. I think that you need to do things to help your life, to, to draw you close to God, to bring holiness into your life. But listen, those things don't save you. Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that saves you. Amen. It's not, it's not who you are. But it's who he is that counts. Come on, somebody. Uh, and he will render to us according to, what, uh, to that singular work. And he will bless us when we simply trust in him. So look at this. I'm, I'm going to cruise through this last one. you think I can do it? I believe in miracles tonight, all right? Psalm 63. Here's the last one. My soul thirst for you. My soul thirst for you. And this is another psalm of David. He's in the wilderness of Judah fleeing from Absalom. Same thing, same story. Perspective's shifting here. It's changing slowly here. But look at this, verse, six, uh, verse 1 in chapter 63 says, O oh God, you are my God, and earnestly I seek you. Oh, I love this. I spoke on this not not too long ago, and this this opening statement shows faith in God, but it also suggests that David is in a time of trouble. It has that, "Oh God, you are my God, and I earnestly trust you." Right? It's like he's crying out, "God, I know that you're God, but Lord, right now, without saying it, I'm in deep need." And David puts God wherever he goes, first, first, God, you are first in my trouble, God. You, you're first thing that I run to in the good times, God. You you are first. God, I seek you first. Your word is the first thing. Your presence is the first thing. And in, in, in Exodus, the children of Israel were given manna every day, right? And they were told to get up every morning and, and grab that manna. And what would happen to that manna throughout the day? As the heat of the day came along, it would... Dissipate and it would it would deteriorate right, and they could not use it, and they couldn 't use yesterday 's manna, except on the sabbath day they couldn't they couldn't store up manna, so it was they had to use that supply. Can I tell you something if you 'll get up in the morning and you make God first, and you say god i 'm going to give you the first part of my day god i 'm going to give you uh, these, this moment god i 'm going to grab my cup of coffee Lord, and i 'm going to go right into my word, or lord i 'm going to pray uh, i 'm going to spend some time praying as I go to work. And it's amazing how God will shift your priority. God will shift your attitude. And you go into the day because you have been given the right manna. And you'll go into your work day and people are be like, boy, they're extra happy today. Why are you happy today? Because me and God spent some time going, going to work today. And I gave him my first. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh, it faints for you. As in the dry and weary land where there is no water. Let me ask you this question. What is your soul thirst for? That's a good question. What does your soul thirst for? David, here, he's in the wilderness and uh, in the desert. Those of you who have been in the desert know it's hot. And David's not concerned about his physical needs. He's not worried about what he's going to eat. He's not worried about what he's going to drink in the desert. But he's like, God, I need you, I thirst for you, first and foremost. Uh, th- uh, you know, have you ever, uh, you know, anybody ever took a hike in here and forgot your water? Anybody ever had a medical procedure where you couldn't drink for it? Before? Oh, man, that's the worst, isn't it? I just need some water. I just, I just need to drink of water, right? Everyone ever woke up in the middle of the night and your mouth was super dry? Like, I got to get to the sink. And you couldn't make to the, you, you go to the bathroom sink and just drink out of the sink. Am I the only one? Right, You're so thirsty, and you're parched in your mouth, and, and, and there's only one thing that can satisfy when you're that dry, water, right? What about in your soul when you're dry? There's only one thing that can satisfy, and that's, that's Jesus, and that's, that's God of the universe, amen? Does your soul thirst or desire for the things of the flesh? Come on. What I want, Lord, I, I want this, God. I, I need this passion, or I need that thing i want to feed my fleshly desires or, or do you want to seek god and only his do you here's another good question sometimes we seek god only for our benefit right god i'll seek you because you'll be good to me no 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 i seek god because i love him amen and that and, and so that's the that's the thing so I, and i've seen it in people who serve in ministry because they want to get uh, out of it, uh, they want to get what God will give them. They serve in ministry versus, hey, I want to get close to God. Listen, you listen to me. The best place that you can be when you serve as ministry is not titles and not positions, but this, that you seek God first, not man's reward, not what that ministry, not that it gives you limelight, anything, but that you seek God first, Amen. Oh, I've seen it in my life where people who serve in ministry, they're, they're, they're about the flesh. What does this give me? I'll only do this if I get recognition. I'll only do this if I, come on, somebody, right? I know nobody's ever done that in here. Is your soul thirsty for the flesh? Is it thirsty for the culture? Or is it thirsty for what's in it for you? Or is it just the single thing? God, not you and nothing else. I love to worship. You know, I love to worship. And I, I love I like to think, you know, like like a man that's that's dying. I love to worship like a man that's dying for just a drink of water in the desert. God, I just need one more drop of your presence in my life. Can I tell you something? This land will not satisfy you. Only God can satisfy. Verse 2 says this So I have looked upon you in your sanctuary, beholding the power uh your power and glory. So David's in this dry season, but he's remembering his experience in the sanctuary. And in the middle of worship, you remember the sanctuary of holiness, and, or that word sanctuary means set apart. And God said this, and, and Peter, Peter quotes this, and it's also in the Old Testament, be holy for I am holy. You know God's called you to walk in holiness? Ooh. We talk a lot about grace, but God has called you out of your sin, set you apart so that you'll live a holy life. Be holy for I am holy. When When we come in with consecrated hearts, oh, man, we're more in line with what with the holy God. I'll never forget when we went to Guatemala this last trip. I, I was reminded. I was just thinking about this. Uh, before church, we're sitting there, and all these people are just coming out of the woodwork, out of wherever they lived. And and they come into the church, and they have these, you know, those plastic Chairs that we buy at Lowe's that, that are good for a little bit of time. And if you sit in them wrong, they might break. You know, they're real flexible. And they, you know what? I, I saw so many people come into church, and it, it blew my mind. And I, I got so convicted. Uh, and they came into the house of God. You know what they did? They didn't sit down. They didn't go talk to people. They went to their seat. They turned around just like this. And they knelt down, and they began to pray before the service started. How many remember people praying before church started? Come on. I know I'm walking down, I'm getting down into the nitty-gritty right now. Listen, but th- listen, our consumer society, hey, I'm going to come into church, I'm going to receive, 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 receive. But have you consecrated yourself before you got here? Are you a consumer? Or are you here asking God to send the fire? And, 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 and it, 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 it amazes me. I was blown away, and I watched God do some amazing thing in some service, and I thought, if the American church could catch this, if our church could catch this, if people could catch this in their hearts. Hey, listen, maybe you can't come here and pray before church, but you can consecrate yourself before you leave your house. And when you get in here, guess what? You don't need this worship team to pep you up because let me tell you something. Sometimes you, we come in here and you expect the worship team by the third song, you're finally feeling good. What if you consecrated your heart and you came in with a heart of expectation and on the first strike of the first chord of the service, you said, "Whoo! I'm giving it all in right now. What could God do? Ooh, that's a chastisement, pastor. I know, I know, that's hard to hear. Listen, I'm talking to everybody in here. There ain't nobody that's discluded in that conversation right here. Me too. I believe that if our church grabbed this, God would manifest himself in such a mighty way. I don't think that we, I think that we'd be blown away. Ephesians 3.20, God would do abundantly above what we could even ask or even fathom or think of. I want that. I want that. I know that's a challenging thing. Oh, come on! I'll, I'll move on. Verse three. All right. I know that's too deep, right? Uh, verse three. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In in your name, I will lift up my hand. So David was in this. Dry, remember, he's in this dry place, but he sought to bless the Lord. In the middle of his dry place, he's like, God, I want to bring you blessing. God, I want to lift up your name. God, I'm going to lift up my hands in this moment. Uh, What if we came into this church in the sanctuary with our our hearts and our hands already ready to be lifted up to embrace the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Verse 5. My soul will be satisfied as as with fat and rich food. Amen. Come on. I knew I was going to get on food somewhere along the way. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Verse 6. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. So David is meditating here on on God and his goodness. Anybody ever toss and turn at night? Yeah, what do you do? Grab my phone. Right? Right? That doesn't do anything for you. but uh, and, and then we feel anxious and restless. We feel lost. Can I encourage you to do this? Next time you're feeling anxious, feeling a little bit uh, undone. Kill the distractions and just begin to think and meditate on, on on your favorite Bible story. I don't know what your favorite Bible story. Is. Think about the woman with the issue of blood and think how God redeemed her after 13 years of, of being sick. That God, uh, that Jesus set her free. Think about the blind man who who could see and think about the goodness of God and begin to think on those things and and you'll be encouraged. Come on, you'll be encouraged rather than be consumed. Come on by by media or whatever you're looking at the bad things of life and all these things, but. Think of the goodness of God. Everyone say, think on the goodness of God. Verse 8, look at this. I'm almost done, I promise. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down in the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be uh, a portion of jackals. So you've heard me talk about this before. And the term cling here in the in the King James Version, uh, it, it or in the King James Version, says, to run after hard, run after hard, to cling to, to run after hard, and, and um, I use this illustration, and I spoke on this this particular thing, but when Naomi told Ruth and Orpah to return to their homeland after their husbands had died, to Moab, Orpah kissed Naomi, the Bible says, but Ruth clave to her, Ruth ran after her, and she said, you know, your people will be my people, and I will be with you, and I will walk with you. She followed hard after after Naomi, her mother-in-law. And Ruth said, I'm going to stick by you no matter what. I don't know about you. I want to cling to the King of kings and the Lord of lords no matter what is going on. Amen. And for for better or for worse, whatever the situation, for in fruitful situations and unfruitful situations and tough times and good times, I want to cling to the King of kings and the Lord of lords day by day. And we see here, you know, I love this, David's great uh, grandmother, who is Ruth, clinging and running uh, after God. And God would restore her. It's amazing, beautiful story. Read Ruth. It's great. Verse Verse 11. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. So, so here's the thing. Here's a little breakdown of this right here. David rejoices in God. Come on. This is, this is Psalm 63. David rejoices in God. David chose to bless God. Here we go. David chose to meditate on God. David chose to seek God. And, and, and here he's choosing to rejoice in God. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? rejoice and that tells me you know what that tells me that all this all these things right here it's all a matter of choice do you choose to seek God to run after God to bless God to love God to to choose him to seek him uh, to meditate on him Psalm 61 Lord I like this Lord, lead me to the rock, Psalm sixty-two. Lord, my soul waits for you. I don't have the answer yet, but Lord, my my soul waits for you, Psalm sixty-three. Lord, my my soul, Lord, it thirsts for you. God, I cannot exist without you. Will you just stand with me all across this building, Lord? Bow your heads, Lord. I thank you for this day, God. I thank. You.